Lovely. Good morning. You can all hear me. I can hear myself. So <laughs> I guess something's working. So there we had that reading from Joshua, and it was uh, that last verse is a difficult one, isn't it? We're going to come back to that. You know, promise we won't be putting anybody to death this morning. I have my word on that, um, but we'll return to that. Um, right. Do I put the first slide up? Do I? Ah, wonderful. Thank you very much indeed. So there we have the book of Joshua. It's a a wonderful book. There you have these Israelites uh, gathered on the banks of the Jordan River. They're on the brink, as it were, of crossing over into this promised land. If you remember, they spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness, and finally they're there. They're just on the brink of stepping in to take possession of the land that has been promised to them by God through his servant Moses. It's a land they've been journeying towards in faith, just as we journey onwards in faith towards our goal as Christians, following our Lord Jesus by his Spirit in this time and in this place. The book of Joshua is full of advice. It's full of encouragement. It's full of correction also for those who journey in faith, people like you and I. Now, for the non-believer, a journey of faith is a bit like a shot in the dark or stepping onto, onto, trying to step out onto water or into thin air. But for us as Christians, it is very different, I think. It's an act of trust which we place in a growing relationship we all have with God in Christ. That's all different for each one here, but it is hopefully a growing relationship that we have with God in Christ. And like any relationship we have, even if it be our own families, it's not a static thing. It's something that is forged day by day as we journey together in faith. A relationship based on our trust that God has been, is today, and will continue to be good and faithful to his word. A word that, as you heard in the reading, promises us, amongst many other things, that he will be with us in our life, in the road of life. And there's that wonderful call repeated in the text, which you no doubt have noted, Be strong and courageous. Not because who we are, because we might not feel particularly strong and courageous this morning, but because of who who walks with us, because of who he is. Now, just looking back, Joshua has, um, God has spent many years preparing Joshua for this calling of leadership. Joshua, we first come across him actually in Numbers, chapter 13, born in slavery in Egypt, is given the name Hoshea, which means salvation. And Moses, is, actually it's Moses who changed, later changed his name to Joshua, which I'm sure many of you know means the Lord saves, the Hebrew form of the Greek word Jesus. The book of Joshua is a book of new beginnings for the people of God. 
And many today need new beginnings, not just those outside of churches, but also inside of churches. That sense of anticipation, that sense of exploration, of the promised land, the kind of life that God wishes us to experience today as well as tomorrow. Tomorrow, Jesus Christ, who is our Joshua, wishes to lead us in conquest of quite a different nature, not maybe of a land, as it were, but wishes to share with us the, the treasures of his wonderful inheritance. Paul writes of this in Ephesians. But Jesus has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in order that just that we might be able to live both individually and collectively, not as defeated paupers, but as people who are the children of God. Now, one of the great blessings I found of being a Christian, I've been a Christian for 23, two, three, four years maybe now, is that the Christian can always look at the future with hope and optimism. You know, there are reasons in life we feel knocked down, but there is always an openness to the future. We are called even today to live in the resurrection light of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our lives do not need to dwindle down into darkness, irrelevance, and death. But we can live lives that always can look optimistically with hope at the future. As we seek to abide in his word and follow our Lord in Christ. Now, the passage we're going to look at today, this passage I've, I picked up, when I, when I look at it, I, I see a structure of three elements. I know Baptists tend to always have this tradition of picking three elements, but that's what I see, so that's what we've got today. Um, and, and broadly speaking, if you look at your Bibles or you remember the structure, the first part is talking about God's promises. The second part is talking about those promises and therefore this importance of the word, this Bible we treasure. And the last part is about encouragement as well. So we're going to look at it in that way and just sort of draw some points from each one of those. So as I say, this book is about this final journey of the Israelites. But it opens with a list of promises. And these aren't the promises we might make to one another as men and women, which are only really good for a while, even if we wish them to be enduring. We don't endure in that sense, and therefore we can only be mortal in that sense. But these are promises of Yahweh, God Almighty, promises made to his people. Scriptures describe his people as his beloved, as his precious possession. So we need to recognize, as it were, the author of the promises. 1 Samuel chapter 15, he who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he's not a man or a woman who, should, who would change their mind. So the opening of Joshua starts, as I say, very, very firmly with God's initiative, God's promises, and the affirmation that God is always faithful to his word. As Christians, we might ask, 
the word when, when we think about God's promises, because some of the promises are our future. But we need never prefix them with the word if. If you think about it, much of our lives of faith, God doesn't really expect us to walk in, as it were, blind faith. There's times where we do have to step out in blind faith. But he gives us his word so we've got somewhere to stand. And we obviously respond to that in trust. Psalm 40, verse 2, the psalmist says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mar I came. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. And this psalm speaks this in the present tense. And he's not just saying, this will be. He's saying, this is how he knows he is before the Lord now. And it is from that firm place, that place of confidence and assurance, that God, for his word, encourages us, commands us sometimes, to step out and walk in faith. I'll tell you, th- th- here's the uh, first six verses of the passage. How many promises can you see? Can you just call them out? Can you just tell me some of the promises you can read? For those who can see it, okay. I don't know if the fonts. Given the land, yes, thank you. Sorry, I didn't quite catch. No one will stand against him, and because who is with them? Who is with them? The Lord Almighty. That's two. I will be with you. Absolutely, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay. When I look at the text myself, and I think of promises, and remember this is before God calls them to step over the Jordan and go and take the promised land. You know, very roughly speaking, all that, that red is the promises. And the point I'm trying to make is this opening piece, these opening verses, are all about God's initiative, what God has done, and the promises that he's giving to his people. So even before the journey has started, we have this solid ground. We have God's promises. Promises to Joshua and to the Israelites. Promises that God just says, you can trust me for this. You can trust me for this. And those wonderful ones such as, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to be with you. Not because God always agrees with the way we behave. But he says, you know, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be with you. I'm sure this is, as you think about this, you'll be reminded maybe of the words of Paul in Romans. What then shall we say in response to this? If God's for us, who can be against us? What have we got to fear? What have we got to be afraid of? But it's not established in who we are, in our own strength, in our own confidence. It's established absolutely, purely in who he is. So although the road of faith can be a struggle, it can sometimes seem rather overwhelming, there's times before we start a new journey, we just need to stop and step back and look up and recognize these promises for us. Recognizing the myriad of promises in God's word can once again gather us together, we get gathered, as it were, around the word, 
and the word encourages us and then commands us to step out into the world that God loves. Being reminded of them and trusting in them means we need never lose hope regardless of how hard the present circumstance might, might seem. Again, a psalm, Psalm 28 and verse 7. The Lord is my, sen- my strength, says the psalmist, and my shield, my heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks. So there's step one, surrounded by God's promises, reminded. There are times we sometimes need to step back. We sometimes think we've heard it all before, and we've read our Bibles. But there's times, sometimes, where it's good just to step back and realize you know, what we are established upon. It's God's initiative, God's word, God's promises from which we take heart and from which we can be once more able to step out feeling strong and courageous. And that's why God commands us, go, go out, be strong and courageous. But there's a second piece that then comes into this, and this is uh, the next few verses, 7 through 9. Um, and these really say, well, you know, you know, stand in my promises, and you know, where are you going to find them? Well, you're going to find them in this book, aren't you? In the Bible. And therefore, you need to pay attention to the word. Be strong and very courageous, verse 7. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, but you may be successful wherever you go. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Speak about it. Meditate upon it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. You will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, says the Lord, be strong, be courageous, don't be terrified, don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God calls his people out in obedient faith to follow him, not turning to the right or to the left, but in daily attendance upon his word to walk faithfully and obediently in his way. Our stepping out in faith as Christians should always be founded on God's word, not on our own dreams and aspirations. We can wander off in so many different directions that seem just like good ideas, and they probably are, in one sense, good ideas. But it's so important we take our direction from the Lord. The world can be full of good ideas, and we inherit a lot of that from our worldly settings we all live in. But we need to be aware. Sometimes we get that priority mixed up. We find ourselves following good ways in the world, but actually things that aren't really specifically Christians, as it were. Proverbs 16, verse 9. In a heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And we wish that, don't we? The Lord does determine our steps. We might be full of new ideas, but we seek to discern individually, but also collectively, is this the Lord's way for us? Now remember that the Israelites following Joshua, they were following Joshua, but they were following Joshua because they felt that God had called, spoken, as it were, through him. Um, And they were seeking to discern that same way. 
the Israelites make this urgent plea to Joshua in verse 17. It says, just as we fully obeyed Moses, we're going to, we will, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. I think that's a sobering verse for anybody who leads. Because we're not trying to lead on our own. We're trying to lead in Christ. And we want Christ with us. It's a sobering thought. Just one more psalm, and it's one of my favourite psalms, but it speaks to this space. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, it builders, its builders labour in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. So the command to be strong and courageous is an expression of our faith founded fundamentally on God's initiative, God's promises, discerned in his word. And only then our response is obedient faith, our response is to, to follow and to step out. So you have the promises, you have where we find those promises, and then I'm just going to move on to say a few words about encouragement. And I see, as I look at these next uh, eight, nine verses, Effectively, they, they, are, they, speak, they work in this space, as far as I can see. Joshua has been encouraged by God, through the word, to step out in faith. He has been encouraged by being reminded of those promises, and he's decided to trust that God is good to his word. He pays attention to the whole word, not just the words of promise, but also the words of caution and correction, which are present in God's word. Joshua has got this encouragement himself, but God doesn't expect him just to turn up in the promised land on his own. He has all this, these Israelites to lead there too. A whole mixture of people, people who feel weak, people who feel strong, men, women, slave, free, old and young. A little aside, I have uh, always had this image of in certain Christian traditions, as is this, uh, I don't know what I want to call it, not exactly tradition, of St. Peter being up at the gates of heaven. You've probably heard that. And uh, that comes really from Jesus giving Peter the keys to the kingdom. So that's where that tradition comes from. I, I wouldn't really go with that per se. But I always feel as a pastor turning up at the gates of heaven and Peter saying to me, looking over my shoulder and going, well, where are they? And, and it's not just for pastors and leaders, by the way, but we expect it to come with others. It's for all of us as Christians. You know, when we turn up at the gates of heaven, I'm not sure it will be St. Peter, right? But that's not the point. You know. But what? You know, who will we be on our own? Or will we have others in our wake? So Joshua needs to share this, and he needs to share this encouragement just as we need to share encouragement. And first of all, Joshua, we're told, he shares it with the officers, which is those, his CLT, if I'll put it into Milford speak. Okay, the officers around him. Because unless the people can feel encouraged, you know, how are they going to really better step up in courage as well? And encouragement is such a key aspect of our faith and of our life together 
as church. 1 Thessalonians, Paul in chapter 5. Therefore, encourage one another, he says. Build one another up. Don't tear one another down. Build one another up. That's your job. Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. That's one of the reasons we meet. Encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. I believe we all have a role in encouraging one another in our shared faith. And it is also a great way, by the way, of focusing not on ourselves, but actually opening our eyes and focusing on others around us. It's a great way of sometimes we all need times when we need to snap out of ourselves and pay attention to the needs around us. And encouragement and recognizing the responsibility to encourage one another is a great way of doing that. So in verses 10 to 15, Joshua sends the officers off. They go through the camp and they, tell, they say to the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will, cross, you will cross the Jordan to take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you. Entering the promised land was a corporate activity that they would do together. And there's a real sense of unity of purpose there in that text. One family of faith, one community, as it were, with one purpose. Individuals, yeah, absolutely individuals, but individuals sharing a common vision. Christian leaders need to be encouragers, not little generals who just give out some orders to the troops, but men and women willing to encourage others, willing to take the time to come alongside others and lead them in God's word, but also, frankly, lead them with their personal example. It's very easy to do this stuff up here, but it's what people see in us once we've stopped this stuff and we're in our daily life. And servant leadership is the model of leadership that Jesus has given his church. We are not meant to lord it over one another. Above all people, Jesus had the right to lord it over his disciples, the Son of God. But instead, he showed himself to them most profoundly when he showed them as one who serves. So we have the encouragement flowing down from Joshua, his officers, and the people. But there's also a response amongst the people in the last couple of verses. It's not only the people, as it were, who need encouragement. The leaders need some, too. Leading is not easy. And I think this is what we see in these last couple of verses. They answer Joshua, in verse 16, this is, whatever you've commanded us to do, we'll do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord, your God, be with you. The people have been encouraged, and now with that shared sense of vision and purpose, they show their leaders that respect and their willingness to follow. Imagine how Joshua would have felt. I think he would have been encouraged to see these variety of individuals coming together with that shared sense of purpose. It's a shared sense of purpose not on following Joshua, by the way, but on following the Lord. The encouragement of leaders in your church is important, not to build them up in a worldly sense to inflate their status or pump up their egos and their pride, but to recognize their service in the Lord's name and to thank them for it. 
And then we have that last verse, wonderful little verse, this one. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Strong words. Words that make me remind me that I'm saved by grace and not by adherence to any law. But sometimes these are words where, when we read our Old Testament, we are inclined sometimes to just skip over them. And, not, and quite understandably as well. And we skip over it, we think that's not relevant. But I think it is relevant. It's a very stark statement. Putting someone to death is a very stark statement. It's saying something fundamentally important. And what we need to do is look at what is behind the statement rather than how it is expressed. I think what this stark statement does for us even today is to emphasize the importance of unity in the body of believers. The importance of a God-centered understanding of both the church's vision and mission that deters people from falling back onto their own personal agendas and preferences. I'm a firm believer in having a whole variety of different voices in a church. I think that's a really healthy thing, really healthy healthy sign of community. But ultimately, these different voices need to defer to the corporately discerned way forward for the whole church. For the whole church is described rightly in the scripture as being one body in Christ. So although I do assure you there will be no executions this morning, I think we shouldn't ignore the significance of that last verse. So just finally to close, I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want to remind you of the promises in God's word for you. I want to remind you that you need to continue to read it. You need to refresh your memory. Unless your me- My memory is like a sieve. It just seems to all fall out of the bottom on a regular basis. We need to go back to God's word and we need to be reminded. And as we are reminded and as we feel encouraged by the Spirit, both to remind our, remember our responsibility to uncover, encourage one another. I thought this was quite a useful little way of summing things up. God never said the journey would be easy. There used to be a, a, a principal of Spurgeon's College, Nigel, Nigel Wright, who used to say that to me on regular occasion. Uh, but he did say the arrival would be worthwhile because God is good to his word and we can trust in that. Having a shared vision and purpose is really important for a healthy church. A sharing but recognize the diversity of all that you are, but finally can settle on the unity of who we are in Christ. Amen. Let us pray.